Hello and a very warm welcome from us here at MIGSOP Cubed. We hope you find you safe and well. I'm Charles Woolman and I'm delighted to bring you our latest podcast today on the topic of sustainability. Environmental challenges are growing at an unprecedented scale and without doubt the most momentous concern of the 21st century. During the past few months we have seen that regardless of industry, strong sustainability characteristics have been essential to helping companies weather the crisis and investors have increasingly sought out sustainable investment strategies. In this scenario, Deliver Green Together, our community of practice for sustainability at MI GSOP Cube, is committed to the environment and to making steady progress to reduce the footprint, the business operations, and to help the clients and employees become more environmentally aware. I'm very pleased to welcome three of my esteemed colleagues today to talk about this very important topic. Valeria DeVoe and William Sopar are two of our consultants within MI GSOP Cubed, Deliver Green Together. Hello, Valeria. Hello, Charles. And hello, William. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having us. We're also joined by our head of UK energy sector, David Whitmore. Hello, David. Hi, Charles. So, without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. If I come to you first, William, what is Deliver Green Together? Who is involved and why? We define Deliver Green Together and the sustainable community of practice as the intersection of business and sustainability, managing the impact of the three bottom lines, people, planet and profit. Sustainability in projects and business is about delivering change that will survive for decades. This change will help end extreme poverty and protect our planet from the effects of climate change. It is about delivering better together, greener together. It is a value that comes right down to the heart of the services we provide in MIGSOP Cubed. Many studies done about sustainability consider it to be the fourth constraint alongside time, cost and scope. This would make it an alternative to the measure of quality provided in the center of the Iron Triangle. In some cases, sustainable project management is emerging as a new discipline, an exciting opportunity. The planet itself does not have a voice, unlike us. So we have to be responsible and think conscientiously about how our decisions on projects impact the planet. We specialize with PPM services with incredible skills and expertise in business transformation, agile, change management, as well as numerous other areas and frameworks like lean innovation. Deliver Green Together is about delivering those services, but doing it at net zero or a carbon neutral approach. DGT supports the global CSR strategy, which we recently published on our website, alongside our leading equality, diversity and inclusion and health and well-being practices. Now that sustainable skills for projects are being regarded more as an essential component in project delivery programs, We will need these key skills and expertise for the future. It is now commonplace for companies to evidence net zero approaches. Many will have seen the transition to sustainable products and services, say sustainable fuels or farming practices in the headlines at COP26. That doesn't just mean we all have to behave in a responsible and sustainable way. In committing to being responsible, it means we live and act on this when building our products, portfolios, services and projects. That could be through a carbon budget for a product, That could be through managing diversity assessments for digital tools or AI algorithms. APM, PMI, and many other leading institutions are building tools and techniques for measuring these risks. And MIGSOP Cubed is no different. MIGSOP Cubed under Alton subscribes to the UN Global Compact, the world's largest corporate sustainability pact, a voluntary commitment to implement the UN sustainable principles. This is aligned with our main goals being gender equality, responsible production and consumption, and last, but no means least, climate action. Great, thank you William for that introduction, that's brilliant. So my next question to you is, how can this be achieved in practice? 
Uh, how did we get to where we are? Deliver Green Together was founded using our own tools for project delivery that we have at MIGSOP Cubed. It was based upon a passion for an open peer-driven community of practice. Through that, the group kick-started an initiative that enabled a wider company approach and culture change. We've exponentially grown, now now also looking to train sustainable skills for project management to our teams and are taking on certification and qualifications to grow our skills, knowledge and expertise. We and our suppliers work alongside our environmental coordinator and our facilities management under ISO 14001 certification. We set a high standard through avoiding any non-conformities in our latest audits related to our operational practices. In our office refurbishment, there has been a focus on recycling rather than disposal. We've also introduced thermal, light, water, energy, and natural light efficiencies. We have even begun to build an action plan to address and manage our carbon, improving our travel and booking systems and utilities. Lastly, the transition into new post-pandemic remote working practices enable our consultants to affect carbon savings. All of these wins add up to reducing our carbon footprint. We are a leader ahead of many other businesses in the UK by already giving great thoughts in implementing these sustainable business practices through our community of practice. With a good set of internal standards, it is about working together to assess the climate risks for all the projects in our services to clients. These can be transitional, they can be physical, Examples could be scenario analysis of the impact to a project within the next five to 10 years strategically, or an existing service in the marketplace already. There is a need to reevaluate existing program roadmaps and take it as an opportunity to re-examine how they could be refocused into a climate-friendly outcome. We are reaching the end of a very busy year and soon we'll have great new commitments and exciting partnership announcements to share for that diligent work. So stay tuned. Whatever the challenge, we at MIGSOP Cubed are here to help. Excellent, William. Thanks for that. Lots of interesting things going on. So thanks for sharing. So if I come next to yourself, Hilaria, my question to you is, what are the challenges of doing projects sustainably? Well, for me, the COVID-19 pandemic has made clear that insufficient preparation can have serious consequences. And the main challenge I can see are accelerating and scaling up our clients' preparation, and most important, to build resilience around organizations. Since the pandemic, we had the opportunity to make more value and cost-effective decisions. The changing landscape of consumer buying behavior reveals the growing influence of sustainability. Also, let me say that different trends suggest that concerns consumers are adopting a raft of different measures to shop and live more sustainably. Minimizing food waste or, let's say, using energy efficient appliances doesn't just go for consumers in our market. It also comes to our clients who do not want to continue to maintain unsustainable ways of working or redundant systems, process or products. For instance, around a third of consumers are willing to pay more for services that will recycle existing products and systems and approximately 65% will stop using a service or executing a project if it was found to be detrimental to the environment. Right now, our service projects are beginning to see these considerations even in non-traditional settings. An assessment like whole life cycle cost or climate and diversity impact assessments are considered right from the outset. 
Therefore, our consultants need to be trained with the skills, knowledge, and expertise in how to handle these crucial issues. Not making those considerations could lead to a product or service that is no longer relevant or even a transitional business risk within the next five to 10 years. And I think I absolutely believe that a new way of operating and a holistic way of delivering green project is needed with a long-term view towards success. Excellent, thank you Valeria. Clearly some challenges there around doing projects sustainably, but interesting to see the things that can be done to address those challenges. So coming on to recent events, we're all aware of COP26 that concluded just um, on the 12th of November, Friday. A question for you Valeria, what does COP26 mean for our clients? Yeah, sure. Well, COP26 is the UN Climate Summit, which aims to accelerate the world's response to climate change and shape a low-carbon business landscape. This event focuses on delivering the ambition set on the 2015 Paris Agreement to limit the global rising temperature to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. This is a measurable and attainable goal, but nevertheless, it must be put in perspective for each organization considering that every small step contributes to the overall goal to reduce emissions. And I also can say that for companies and our clients, several major topics on the COP26 agenda stands out. For instance, understanding the implication of current and futures uh, GAG regulations, also the advance of new technologies that will enable a net zero outcome, and of course business adaptations. Those were the most relevant topics for our clients. Thank you, Valeria. Quite right. I think they are the major topics and it'll be interesting to see how they develop over the coming months. So, speaking about development, what else would you develop further, Valeria? Well, for instance, policies and regulations that will ultimately incentivize main players to achieve net zero emissions are not yet in place. Most likely, there will be a large progress in the coming years on the design and implementation of effective climate change policies and there will be also a mix of price instruments, such as subsidized carbon or energy taxes and so on. This further emphasizes the need to carefully understand the business implication of the complex future regulatory environment. I would also say that it's important to underline the crucial role that innovation and clean and advanced technology have in achieving sustainable, resilient and carbon neutral development by 2050. So, for instance, some innovative solutions that aim to reduce emissions of greenhouse gases or to capture them have already been developed and deployed by private sector actors. We can also say that the markets in this sense are properly working. Although in numerous situations, trade barriers continue to cause prices to be higher than they would otherwise be. And lastly, during the last decade, Many companies have announced ambitious plans to reduce their emissions, in some cases to net zero, but few are making sufficient progress turning those ambitions into actions. And we must say that delaying is not a strategy. Organizations can really benefit by taking action to anticipate such climate-related risk. For instance, these benefits include the ability to better manage and mitigate risk, to decrease costs, increase profits, uh, develop new markets opportunities, also the rise of new opportunities for partnerships, and lastly, I would say, generate engagement with different stakeholders. But I think here comes a key question. How can companies adapt? Well, one of the most important challenges uh, faced by business managers today is the integration of sustainability into their core functions. 
Therefore, organizations need to redefine their corporate strategy to better align business interests with climate change mitigation and adaptation. Fantastic. Thank you, Valeria. So clearly lots going on, but also lots more to do. So thinking about strategy, if I come to yourself, Will, why is it important to integrate sustainability into the business strategy? Well, I think you said it quite well, Charles. There is a lot more to do. And in today's sort of ever-evolving world, integrating sustainability into a business strategy isn't really an option. It's a necessity. So organisations need to address the potential environmental drivers. These can fundamentally change the way that they may operate in the coming decades. However, integrating it is very complex and very challenging as a process. Companies that embed sustainability into their corporate governance can have a lasting competitive advantage as long as they have the capability to adapt to changes in that industry, predict trends to their best advantage, and respond to stakeholders' demands concerning environmental and social issues. Mark Carney, the former governor of the Bank of England, suggested that climate disclosures and climate risk management must be transformed. We too believe that the field of project management will also have to be transformed along the way. The climate crisis is also a crisis of culture, which is why the human element to reshaping this industry is so important. Without imagining a innovative new way of delivering projects in some of the ways that Valeria outlined before, then the culture will never change. These good stories where we can share our expertise across projects and clients and how we deliver in a climate-friendly way, whilst also going above and beyond, those will be the first chapters in a story as to how we deliver projects in this new era. Success is not delivering a feature or a new tool. There are a lot of tools out there, from climate calculators to frameworks for implementing a sustainable strategy. But to really deliver success, you must solve the problem. For climate change, it's emissions and waste production. So the challenge is not to create an albeit innovative one-off tool, but to help all of our clients with solutions to eliminate emissions and waste. Thank you, Will. I think the way you summed that up at the end really resonated with me. So, David, thank you for waiting patiently. I'd love to come to you next and, and explore really what is the vision of the energy sector in regards to renewable energy? Thanks, Charles. Well, clearly in our energy business, we're in the front line of helping our clients address the sustainability challenge. We set our strategy in 2018 to focus on developing a green energy portfolio. And we've made progress against this. But first of all, let's address what a sustainable energy economy even looks like. And surprisingly, that's not as easy as it sounds. And the government, for one, is unclear on this point. At one level, it could mean more renewables and no carbon-based energy generators. However, it's complex. And you could say there are three components of sustainability. Carbon net zero, and everybody understands. But enduring supply, when will the fuel run out if ever? And security of supply, is it always there if we need it? Renewables are probably net zero in the long term. But offshore wind, for example, starts life with a massive carbon debt. The energy suppliers like to show us the serene images of wind farms quietly producing electricity, but steer away from the furnaces, quite often Chinese for the steel, and therefore dependent on coal, producing that steel for the monopiles. All the massive and non-recyclable carbon fibre blades producing toxic fumes in manufacture or even the huge oil-funded shipping platforms transporting the massive structures up to 40 kilometres offshore. It's estimated that a wind turbine needs to operate for five to seven years to pay back this carbon debt. However, operation in the North Sea, for one, is challenging for the structures, and it's not clear what the lifetime of these structures is, hopefully more than seven years. And by the way, how do you recycle them? 
But on to the point about enduring supply, and undoubtedly wind power is enduring. It will always be there. That's clearly not true of oil and gas, even if we can sequestrate or capture the carbon the power stations produce. Is nuclear enduring? Well, fissionable nuclear fuel, the current technology, will last for a very long time, and fusion nuclear power can really be considered to be limitless. Perhaps the biggest challenge for the UK is developing a secure low-carbon energy system. Wind power is not much use on calm days, and solar is frankly useless in the winter when peak demand is around 7pm in the evening. Battery storage is extremely inefficient and unlikely to allow us to consider renewables to be a secure form of energy for the whole supply. Coal and gas is unquestionably the most secure of the energy forms and it's capable of being turned on very quickly. Nuclear is also secure, but fission power still carries the stigma of being unsafe, even if the statistics don't really support that view. For example, it's estimated that Germany increased its deaths per year from burning additional carbon fuels by over a thousand when it turned off its nuclear plants following the Fukushima disaster. So it is complex, and I for one don't know what the best energy mix is for the UK. Ultimately, I suppose eventually it will all be fusion. But how do we get to that point? It is, however, very interesting, and our clients are dealing with these great challenges, and we're helping them in a number of areas. We have worked with nuclear decommissioning companies, such as Salafield and Veolia, helping to restore public confidence in nuclear by dealing with the legacies of the past. We have helped UK AEA to develop the programme for the UK's nuclear fusion programme. We've also worked with Virador, who build and operate waste-to-energy power stations. The UK electricity infrastructure is key in allowing diverse forms of electricity on the grid at any one time. Nuclear gas and coal was relatively easy. You press a button and it comes online and stays online. Wind is very hard to predict. It may not be there when you expect it to be, and the blades turn at variable speeds, producing electricity at varying frequencies, which would take the entire grid down if not controlled. National Grid has been investing heavily in transforming the grid, and we have been helping them with their planning and their transformation programme. We support EDF in France, and are also a key part of their planning team for Hinkley Point C in Somerset. We want to do more in the renewable sector, and it would be great to work on the recently announced more modular nuclear reactor programme that is being developed by Rolls-Royce. We have grown our position in the UK energy sector significantly in the last few years, and there is much, much more to go at. We have the right skills that are needed right now to get these complex programmes to fruition, and it's incredibly satisfying knowing that we are helping with what is probably the biggest challenge facing the human race today. Well, David, Valeria, William, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your insight and work around sustainability. It's great to see we have a dedicated community of practice in Deliver Green together, delivering on environmental improvements for our clients and us as an organisation as part of our corporate social responsibility strategy. Through this conversation and amongst the backdrop of COP26, the challenges we face are not lost on me and I'm sure won't be lost on our listeners either. However, through our vision, people and excellent work in the energy sector, I'm convinced MIGSOP Cube is in a great place to continue to lead on making impactful change. David, thank you. Thank you, Charles. Valeria, thank you. Thanks a lot, Charles. William, thank you. Thanks, Charles. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed this instalment. And if you'd like to read more about our CSR strategy, you can find this on our website at migso-pcubed.com forward slash about us.
Thank you and goodbye.